1: You're English listening so fun and
0: fun and fun a short time to <laughs> A Mamma Mia Podcast From Mamma Mia, welcome to The Spill, your daily pop culture fix. I'm Laura Brodnick And I'm Ki Reese. And guys, the new documentary Britney vs Spears has finally dropped on Netflix. It has some big bombshell reveals about Britney Spears' life. Also some very questionable documentary making happening there there's a lot going on and don't worry we are going to unpack it all for you but first the entertainment news headlines of the day
1: i have news what's the hot i want more headlines
0: things off today, in news that is just not very surprising, former Full House actress Laurie Loughlin will return to TV in her first role since the college admission scandal in 2019. So it's been confirmed that Laurie will reprise her When Calls the Heart role. That's a big show in the US on the Hallmark Channel, I think. So she'll reprise her role of Abigail Stanton on the second season of the show's spin-off, When Hope Calls. So she's not back in the main game yet, but they're still putting her back on the payroll. So she was previously fired from that show because of her involvement in the scandal, where she and her husband, designer Mossimo Giannali, along with heaps of the rich and famous people in LA, admitted to paying $500,000 in order to help their two daughters get into the University of Southern California. So in August 2020, Lori was sentenced to two months in prison and she was released in December. So obviously that was a bit of a shorter time that anyone thought she would be away. Also interesting to note that her daughter, Olivia Jade, who she made it look like she was on the rowing team to get into the university falsely, is also having a big career resurgence and she's currently starring on Dancing with the Stars in the US. So good to know that no matter what happens, white people with money will always bounce back.
1: Well, we're going across the pond today. That's right, because it's the world premiere of No Time to Die, the latest film in the James Bond franchise and the last of star Daniel Craig's after 15 years playing 007. How crazy is that? It's been a bit of a long wait for the film. It was set to premiere, of course, back in April of 2020, but it suffered multiple delays due to the pandemic and I really felt like the stars on the red carpet knew that and they just came to slay honey. So this was kind of the biggest movie premiere that's happened post-COVID. We had Daniel Craig on the red carpet, of course, as well as Anna DeAmis, Lashana Lynch, Leah Sadu, Naomi Harris, Bond villain in this film, Rami Malik. I'm so excited to see him in this role. Billy Eilish, who of course is singing the new theme song this time, and screenwriter Phoebe Wallabridge, who people are very excited about. But although that was so exciting, Laura Brodnick, all anyone is talking about today is Kate, the Duchess of Cambridge's appearance. So in true British tradition, the royals were in full force. We had Charles Camilla and William, but freaking Kate Middleton she waltzed down that red carpet looking like a million bucks. She was dressed in Jenny Packham, an iconic British designer, in this kind of deep V-necked, caped, gold streamery, sequindy kind of gown with this gorgeous updo and this like golden makeup. And people are calling this the post-pandemic glow up. Albie, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I mean, as much as it is so amazing to finally see a James Bond red carpet filled with female cast members who have all gone flat and they look amazing, it's just a little bit sad, but also, I guess, just inevitable that Kate Middleton has completely stolen the show. That dress, it's like Las Vegas lights and Oscar statue, kind of like an old Cher interpretation come to life in the best possible yes. way. Like, you can't look away from it. There was one headline that Vogue ran that I keep seeing get shared about this, and I think it really sums it up, is that Kate Middleton has really missed dressing up.
1: The other great thing I saw, and you can actually tell because I know, and just to give her a little bit of grief, we've got to keep it even here. I was following someone on Instagram and they said, oh, she's finally hired someone to do her makeup. Because infamously she did her own makeup for her wedding.
0: I just have never believed that's true. Like I just don't think she did. It her- is true. Has she
1: ever said that? I thought that was just a rumor. Yes, she definitely has. No, no, no. She definitely has. She's did her makeup. She kind of got dragged for doing the inner eyelid she used eyeliner. To go very heavy like- on
0: the eyeliner, which I don't anything about makeup, so I respect. I
1: mean, she was being broadcast around the world on television. You've got to make those eyes pop, doll. But I just thought that was funny. Of course, we've got to bring the light and shade. So, what do we think about how? Her- Everyone's just talking about it being a glow up. Like she always
0: wears a sparkly gown and big hair and actual crown jewels to events. Is it more so that we just haven't seen her at a proper event? Like she went to a few during kind of COVID times, but it would have been very improper to going to like a charity event in a sparkly gown when- you know, some people are in hospital and things were shut down. But I feel like because the UK's like fully embraced their Freedom Day, they're just not talking about COVID anymore. I thought this was the first time she could go back to her old self. I wouldn't say it was a glow up.
1: Well, while we can't look alive on the red carpet, like Kate Middleton, we can put this date in our calendars, you guys, the 25th James Bond installment will open in cinemas on October 8th. And if you're a true fan like me, you like it shaken, not stirred, you'll be marking that down and we will be talking about it later.
0: Well, the new Netflix documentary Britney vs Spears premiered this week, and there's quite a few bombshells about the singer's life. So, in the 90-minute film, journalist Jenny Alessky and filmmaker Erin Lee Carr investigate Britney's conservatorship that she's been living under for the past 13 years. So, in the opening minutes of the documentary, Erin, the filmmaker, reveals that it actually started out as more of a fan project. So she said two years ago that she began making the movie about Britney Spears with Jenny, and it was meant to be more about her artistry and her media portrayal. Jenny herself had interviewed Britney Spears many times for Rolling Stones, they had a bit of a connection there. But as they delve deeper into her life and as all this information about what was really happening with the conservatorship came out, the documentary took a very different turn. It's become more of an investigation into how the conservatorship was allowed to start and be controlled so long in the first place. So kind of wanting to kick off with one of the biggest reveals was that they actually had all these concepts Documents within the documentary, which kind of showed how the conservatorship itself, where her father Jamie Spears was in charge of her life and her body and her career and her money and pretty much everything for over a decade, showed that it kind of started out on a bit of a murky path. So they say in the documentary that a source passed along a report produced by a doctor who resigned from the case in 2013 and included in the document is a medical report dated back to March 5, 2008, that states Britney Jean Spears lacks the capacity to retain and direct counsel, adding Britney Spears lacks the capacity to understand or manage her financial affairs without being subject to undue influence, which, of course, we have kind of already knew that's how it started. But what's wild is that at the time, the filmmakers point out that while all these reports were being put forward and all these things were being filed about her not being able to look after herself or even be out in the public, it happened at exactly the same time that she was already back at work on the set of How I Met Your Mother.
1: Yeah, and that's the wildest thing about it. This is the most famous woman in the world And you'd be mad to not be able to know that she had full capacity or mental capacity because it was everywhere. That comeback that she had on How I Met Your Mother for that episode was everywhere. So I'm like, what was happening in the court? You can't tell me that someone in that courtroom didn't realize that she had full capacity to be able to at least have some kind of say over it.
0: Yeah, exactly. They also say in the documentary that they have documents that say that at the same time as all these filings were happening, they were also prepping for her first big tour. Tickets were going through the roof. They were adding more shows. And so that was all happening. And it was written in the conservatorship that it was actually a business venture to kind of take over her life. So that was kind of clearly stated and it still got passed. And what's also interesting is that they tracked down the original doctor who made the decision, who's listed on the forms, Dr. James Edward Spa, who actually came in for an interview but weirdly was then very aggressive and didn't want to talk about actually being involved in the case even though he agreed. He didn't want to
1: implicate himself. Yeah exactly but I'm like dude
0: you could have also just said no they can't force you to yeah. come in to be part of a documentary so I think he wanted a bit of a limelight but then when he got in there he didn't want any part in being held accountable for anything that's happened to Britney Spears. So he says I'm not going to acknowledge that I've ever met her I'm not going to comment on whether I have ever brought in to evaluate Britney Spears which is kind of the point of him being in the documentary about Britney Spears And he kept saying, show me a public form, show me a public form where I've ever said that I had anything to do with her. But his signature is on these court documents. And as the filmmakers explain, when you file a conservatorship, part of the paperwork involves checking off a reason that the person is unable to manage their own life. And what's really interesting is the paperwork for Britney Spears' conservatorship ticks off orders related to dementia placement And as they both say, it's so highly unusual for such a young woman to be showing signs of dementia or have her dementia be so advanced that her whole life is taken away from her. And it's also should be noted that he is a geriatric psychiatrist. So why are you bringing in a geriatric psychiatrist to sign off on a young woman's mental health unless you're going to say that she has dementia and take her career and life away from her?
1: Well, it's fraudulent. That's all it is. They absolutely have lied in so many ways that's been documented and that's the wildest thing is that they're all probably shitting themselves now because it's such a different time and it shouldn't be but I think you know the conservatorship laws are quite wild and the fact that even your ability to retain independent counsel is not even written into a conservatorship as someone who's All of their rights are being taken away. You can't even have that kind of one thing. And the other thing with that was that they waived her notice, the five days notice. I know we've heard about that before. But the fact that you've got a geriatric psychiatrist saying that you have dementia, saying that you have no capacity to run your life, that you can't do anything, and then you waive the five days notice, like she was never, ever going to win in this situation, and that's what makes it truly unfair. Like, I felt a little bit shell-shocked after watching it and just really knowing the lengths that they went to to really control her life. But what really surprised me about it was how she never stopped fighting. We just didn't know that she was fighting behind the scenes.
0: Yeah, exactly. There's a whole scene where a friend of hers comes on and she's written this big open letter that he, of course, has taken a photo of and is reading out for the camera. I mean, it's all a bit kind of dodgy, everyone's involvement in this. But she was trying to kind of clear her name with an open letter to the world, even in those very early days of the conservatorship. And of course, that never really made the light of day, which is not surprising. But I think what's also interesting to note about why, I mean, obviously we've had a big glut of Britney Spears' documentaries and articles and podcasts in the last year with everything that's going on with her now trying to get the conservatorship removed eventually. Something interesting to note about this particular project, though, is that the Britney versus Spears executive producer, Jenny Escala, as we were saying, has known Britney Spears for a long time. And one of the big sections of the documentary is that she reveals that she actually tried to help Britney secure a new attorney in 2009. And the story of how it happened is a little bit wild because Jenny says that Sam Lufty, who we will get to in a minute, obviously, a bit of a problematic person in Britney Spears' life... So she says that Sam Lufty and Britney Spears' former boyfriend, who was also a paparazzi photographer, Adnan Ghalib, had been working up a plan to help Britney get a new lawyer. And Jenny says that she actually agreed to help these two men who had both been removed from Britney's life by her family. She agreed to help them. So Jenny kind of acted as a bit of a a spy, and she arranged to herself deliver a document to Britney at the Montage Beverly Hills Hotel.
1: So I just walked in thinking, pretend I'm a guest i took the elevator up and i walked out and i saw edon her security guard up there and maybe one other like security looking dude but she was just in the pool by herself and she was just leaning on the edge of the pool um and i kind of gave her a little side eye and saw her see me and and went into this small bathroom Um, and i went into the stall and i closed the door and i got the papers ready and got the pen ready and saw her tattoo on her foot or ankle or whatever it is and opened the door and I showed her the spots where she needed to sign and she signed and she just sort of looked at me and said thank you and I said (laughs) I said I'll see you again nothing eventuated out of that this was this whole big sting operation they'd done everything they needed to legally to have these like documents that explained everything they'd gotten britney's signature But it just didn't amount to anything because the whole kind of team Britney camp that are working against her but for her just squash it.
0: Is it a bit off-putting that the filmmakers have put this together as it's almost like it's a true crime documentary, which I think is not what people were really – it's definitely not what I was expecting when the first kind of trailers came out because – Obviously, they have interviews and they have footage and that sort of stuff. There's a lot of documents being shown on the screen and highlighted and things being blurred out. So it's got all those old school documentary traits. But a lot of it is also just footage of the two documentary makers sitting together with all these photos and documents and they're piecing things together and they're sticking names on photos. Every time they make a reveal, this really intense, spooky music swells up. And it's really feeling like a true crime documentary.
1: I would argue that it is a crime story. Like they have committed crimes and I think a decision by them to not feature any of the really damaging imagery, so, you know, the famous imagery that we've seen of her being strapped to a stretcher, of her shaving her head, those key images, because they've been seen so many times and they do know how damaging it was to Britney, that was a creative decision to leave that out. So what else are they going to use? They kind of have to shoot it in a different way to have more footage that many might go to that kind of cheap shot of using that old footage. It's
0: interesting and problematic at the same time, which I think is the Britney Spears coverage just in general, is that... it almost gave these two very controversial figures in her life, which was her paparazzi turned boyfriend, Adnan Galib, and her one-time manager, Sam Lofty, it almost gave them these big redemption arcs to come in and put themselves as the victim in Britney Spears' story. So Sam talks about being the scapegoat in the case and because there were so many allegations at the time that he was drugging Britney Spears, and this is the first time he's sort of really come forward and said, like, to be accused of allegations that serious, that you're drugging the world's biggest star. Like, he's like, why didn't they call the police or the FBI? The only person they called was TMZ. And so then he gets this big platform to talk through all of his kind of memories and moments with Britney Spears and really paint himself as a hero who was trying to save her. And then Adnan also has a big section in the documentary where he's talking about Britney Spears. I know it's a kind of a difficult road to walk, where you're wanting to get these people who were very much at the center of the story, you're wanting to get their perspective, but at the same time they have had so much hatred over the years that they're trying to clear their name. And Adnan actually handed over all these text messages between him and Britney Spears, which played out on the screen where you're seeing her say, "I'm so fucking sick of this. My dad's controlling me," and he was saying, "Like, can't you talk to your dad?" and She says, no, I need you to get the lawyer. This is also very early days of the conservatorship. And all those text messages, which would have been monitored by her father at the time anyway because he had control of her phone, all of these private text messages between them are being shown on screen, which, again, it's this hard thing of like, yes, is it good for the truth to come out, but at the same time it's just more of Britney Spears' private life being used for profit for Netflix. And it's like, is that going to help her in a court? It's hard to say.
1: I didn't think that they overused those text messages at all. If anything, I think they were really, like, deliberate with the ones that they used. It just set up the next kind of, plot point that they were talking about basically of how they set up the second attempt for the representation and that being kind of like the catalyst Brittany asking. He must have provided heaps of text messages but I think they only showed one interaction and that was it. About centering them at the story, they were the people that were involved in the story at the time. I think that you have to have them being heard and I do also think that they deserve an opportunity to be heard. Like they have had wrong things done to them and also them helping her to try and seek independent representation is true. They were trying to help her and they hadn't leaked that ever before. So the feeling or the narrative around them, I think should actually change a little bit. I think that they deserve more than anyone a chance to have a bit of a redemption story because they were the only people that she had at that time and they did actually help her, you know. They did help her do different things and got her out of the house or whatever I mean, they were the villains in the story, but I do think it's important for us to even re-look at how we think about them in the story, because I do think they were a little hard done by.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, I guess until we get a full Britney Spears-led documentary with just her voice, we'll never really know her side of the story. But if you do want to watch Britney vs. Spears, it is on Netflix now. And if you have thoughts, jump to our Facebook group, because we would love to hear them. Well, thank you so much for listening to The Spill today. And while you're listening, as always, please follow us and leave us a review. Let us know what you love about the show. This episode of The Spill was produced by myself, Laura Brodnick, with audio production by Leah Porges. We'll see you at mamamia.com.au. Bye.
1: Bye. <laughs> Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we
0: have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation.